Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bacon Wire podcast. On today's episode, we talk about Aaron Henry declaring for the NBA draft, episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we talk a little Taylor Swift with Cassie Whitney. Stay tuned. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not throwing around counterfeit currency with my face on them at strip clubs, I'm Spartan Dog 97. Lucas, you gave an inquisitive look there. Do you know do you know what I'm talking about? No, if it's something online, I've I've been I've been kind of offline most of the day. All right. So Usher went okay. to a went to a gentleman's club over the weekend. And the employees of said gentleman's club posted photos of the money he was throwing around. And it looked exactly like like real money, right? Like the $100 bills had like the blue line, everything, right? Yeah. Except it was his face. <laughs> so we brought around Photoshop currency with his face on it and just threw, threw fake bands at a strip club. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I, I can't decide whether this is an extreme flex mm. or incredibly sad on Usher's part. I think it's sad. I mean, well, it's a flex that he went through the effort to do that, but like you stiff those dancers out of, you know, a decent amount of money by throwing around usher bucks. So it's it's a little bit of both. What if it's what if usher's doing this as advertisement to launch his own cryptocurrency? You know, cryptocurrencies are are hot in the streets right now. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point. Kind of like uh, when Steven Seagal was making his Bitcoin 2 gen yeah, it, you know, except this one is somehow even more illegitimate of a in more of a scam than Bitcoin 2 gen. Well, this is this is something. Welcome to the Bacon Wire podcast. We're what? back. Um four mass shootings in a week. America is back. Uh <laughs> You you want to learn in person. I guess that's what what happens with it. Yeah, it's, it's, no kidding, right? It's sad as shit that that's that's tied in like, you know, last year there weren't very many. And now it's like, Oh, we're back to, we're back to learning in person. And all of a sudden every people are getting shot in schools again. It's, it's pathetic. Nature, nature is healing. My friend, nature is healing. Oof. Uh, so, Oh my God. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, so, the only big announcement out of MSU out of Spartan world this week is uh, that Aaron Henry has declared for the NBA draft. Um, he is signing with an agent. He is foregoing his eligibility. He is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which I say, you think? Yeah, no shit. Uh, you know, it was very clear that that Henry was coming back on a one-year agreement and 
you know, I think the the way he performed down the stretch definitely secured him, if not a if not a late first round pick, then definitely as then definitely a second round pick. I don't think he's in danger of going undrafted at all. No, no, his last three, four, two, three weeks of college hoops were great. Um, he's the reason that they got into the tournament. And I mean, people people were wondering why he took so long, and they were like, "Well, maybe, maybe Henry's coming back." It's like he literally said before the season this was his last year. So why the hell would he change it, especially with how he ended it? Right. I you know I just don't. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, the it's a no brainer. My my thing is, if kids are gonna. If kids are going to take, if kids are going to play for free, then they should, they should maximize their value and get out while the strike, while the iron is hot. And I think the way Henry has performed in the last month of the season, definitely made, definitely made this, definitely made the iron hot enough for him to strike. Yeah. Yeah. And more power to him. And I'm always I'm always gonna applaud people for for leaving abusive relationships like the one he had with Jizzo, <laughs> Shardy. He was gonna hit Aaron Henry. Never forget. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't blame Gabe if he left either. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna miss Henry. Um, I still think there was some potential that we didn't see, but when it really mattered. When it when it had to matter, you know, this year he really took over because I think we all thought this was going to be Rocket's team, and when it was pretty adamant that Rocket was not going to do it, it well, became I, it became Henry's team again, full on. I think is I think there were points where Izzo didn't let Rocket do it. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's. That's just, that's, I, you know, I, I wish Henry all the best. There's really not more to say. We all knew this was coming. I can't, I can't be surprised at all. No, no one should have been surprised. So, uh, you know, speaking of, speaking of surprises, um, you know, the it's been a little quiet on the transfer portal in terms of MSU football so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a couple a couple leads that that maybe we're leaning towards, but other than that, it seems like the teams are are moving towards kind of a kind of moving towards uh you know the staff is turning their attention towards the 2022 recruiting class and in the short term they're just getting the roster they have now ready for ready for the season yeah i mean they hit the they hit the portal pretty hard for a couple of weeks but i'm kind of curious as to you know i with the spring game next saturday i'm really curious as to how this team's going to look compared, you know, moving forward. Yeah, me too. Um, 
you know, have they announced have they announced whether or not that game is going to be like streamed anywhere? No. Um, usually couch has pretty good leads on what's going to happen, but you know, Graham couch got the, got the Corona coronavirus. So he's, uh, they didn't do a show today. Otherwise I'm sure it'd be one of the questions. I'm wondering if he has anything on his account, but, um, I know Big Ten Network usually does like a yeah. like a big like a Big Ten football and sixty kind of mm-hmm. kind of summary of highlight reel ex- expanded highlight reel of of spring games from the whole conference. But like, I'm a freak, so I want to watch. I want to watch the entire thing. Yeah. I think MSU should take a look at what Michigan did this past weekend and don't do it Um, because they pissed off their fan base big time. Now Michigan fans can be a little crazy with it, but I don't understand why they didn't even televise it or have it available for people to stream if they wanted to. And I guess the reason was they didn't want to show the offense or show they didn't want to put all their cards on the table. Which I understand. Harbaugh, what Harbaugh didn't want anyone to know that uh, that he was going to run uh, he was going to run two straight halfback powers and then a long ass pass. Right. Like who fucking cares? Like the people want to see it, and you're already on thin ice, in my opinion. Harbaugh is. So, I mean, this would be the time to start kissing ass to the fan base. But pretty clear they're moving in a different direction right now. Right. I it's going to be interesting to It's going to be, you know, I I hope that I hope that we're able to see at least something from the spring game coming up in the in the next yeah. couple of weekends, but um well, I mean you know, one of the things that people said about Mel Tucker is, you know, in a non-covid type of situation, he's pretty open with the media and like allowing access and all that compared to what D'Antonio did. So I'm kind of curious as to what that might entail from here on out. You know, I'm sure they're having discussions about the spring game every day. Like it's, it's a fluid situation, especially after Whitmer suggested we pause for two weeks with outdoor activities and indoor dining and all that shit. So I'm sure that had an impact. Otherwise we might've heard by now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of up in the air. If I had to guess, I would assume that the no Big fans. Ten Network is going to air some kind of tape delayed summary. There's going to be no fans. I think that right now. No, I mean, I think I, I can almost guarantee there's going to be no fans because if there were going to be fans, they would have announced it already. Yeah. Like Ohio State's is this Saturday, and they announced that they would have fans like a month ago. Right. So the fact that we don't know whether or not there's going to be fans allowed tells me that there's not going to be fans. Yeah, it sucks because like two weeks ago, we were all thinking we could go to the spring game, but you know, it is what it is. I just want to see it at least. Just let me watch it somewhere. I don't care if it's on tape delay or whatever. I just want to watch it. You know, we've been doing this for a year, Lucas. You think by now, you think by now we would have learned to like not predict 
whether or not shit was going to happen relating to relating to the pandemic. Yeah, I looked at I had a Facebook memory pop up today about, you know, how they had that group that was like Michiganders against uh, quarantining or or, um, you know, the restrictions or whatever. I have the terminology completely fucked up. But um, and I put my thing was like, if you're a part of this crazy ass group, just unfriend me. You're going to be the reason we won't have anything fun until the fall or the winter. So oh. <laughs> maybe I should have said next, next fall. fall. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, we've been reflect. We reflected on that, I think, a week or two ago. It's like we were just so doe-eyed, like, man, you know, I think we're going to be able to go to games. And now it's like, ugh. You know, spring game's not going to happen, but a year a year later, maybe we'll be allowed to go to games. <laughs> you're you're like maybe we'll be able to go to MSU this this fall. <laughs> uh, now I'm like hoping just 2022 is normal. That's where I'm at now. Just just give me something normal then. That's all I want. Listen, if if we're gonna have mass shootings, I should also be allowed to go to a titty bar. <laughs> Like that's the trade-off you make in America. And if I can if I have to if I have to put up with one, I should be able to have the other presented to me as an option. Oh. And <laughs> why do I want to get a lap dance with the mask on? I don't. Cassie's just sitting there like <laughs> 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 oh man uh, I'm just done saying we're going to get this and this like I just want to go to football games this fall that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for now yeah that's, that's the, you, it, you know good luck I, I wish you the best <laughs> I would just you know Concerts would be cool. I'm not even a big fan of concerts, but like, I'm going to go to like concerts now. Yeah. And my, my rage against the machine concert got pushed to May, 2022. So maybe, um, huh? Lucas, if you're definitely be able to go to that one. Yeah. That's a lock. I mean, I would be blown away if it wasn't, that's a lock for sure. Cause I remember it was like July 28th and I'm like, Ugh, that's kind of close, but are you going to any this summer still? Or are yours still on? Uh, I only, well, like I bought, I bought the dip on a few. Um, I bought the dip on uh, Newfound Glory, which as of right now is still hap- is still mm. happening. It's undated. They haven't outright canceled the show, mm. but okay. they haven't they haven't set a new date yet either. Um, which, you know, of, of all, of all musical acts that are, um, unpandemic friendly, I think, you know, kind of, kind of rock and roll and punk is kind of not is, is up there with like EDM. Yeah. In terms of like social distance unfriendliness. Right. Like if I go to one of those shows, like I want to dislocate, I have floor tickets. So like, I want to like dislocate a shoulder. Like, I don't want to like, (laughs) I don't want to stand in a taped off square, you know? Like, uh, like at the final four, when the Miley Cyrus concert was going on, how they like 
head squares. Yeah. That's going to be you just like bumping your head and you walk. Yeah. My, my friends over you. Yeah. I don't want to. Someone, Hey, can you like punch me or something? You know, just shove me or something, you know, then I'll go back to my square. Nope. Six feet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I did buy the dip. I also bought the dip on Taylor Swift and Halsey and they both canceled. So. Did they cancel or did they move it? No, they both straight up canceled their, oh. their tour. Oh shit. So. Well, that's... Taylor Swift will probably do it again. I'm sure. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's, maybe she doesn't want to do it anymore. We'll talk about Taylor Swift. Don't yeah. you worry, Lucas. There's a lot of Taylor Swift to get you. I can't wait. I'm really excited. I, oh, I know you Life, are. Lifelong Swifty, as they say. Yeah. You already know the terms. You're you're yeah. there. You know her album, Fearless, and um, now we have Fearless Taylor's version. Yeah the the re the remastered the the new version, and then we have Lover and uh, Folklore and Evermore. Yeah, good. I got the wow. thumbs up. This is the most prepared you've ever been for the podcast, Lucas. I know. I did my research. <laughs> so. Before we talk about Taylor Swift, uh, that's all we got on MSU this week. Uh, the Wings fleeced the fleece the Capitals today. Love that trade. Uh, Love it. Excellent trade. Sent Anthony Mantha in exchange for uh, Panic and a Swedish guy whose name I cannot and will not um, pronounce. And two picks, I believe. Yeah, a first and a second. Ooh. So... Stevie Y just Stevie Y is gonna Rana and Panic. Yep, he's gonna steal your picks. He's gonna steal your picks. Man, he we're gonna have a shitload of picks in this coming draft. Yeah, I mean, if we don't get number one, we're gonna have the capital to trade up to number one. So right, that that's what he's doing. He's doing a he's doing a backup plan, like the uh, like the very famous Kevin James and um, Vince Vaughn movie. He's got a backup plan to if they get fucked out of the number one pick again to trade up to it and still have enough room or still have enough cushion for other picks. So uh, it's funny that you bring up Kevin James, Lucas, because I I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I didn't see. um, I haven't talked to you yet about this. I haven't been on Twitter Uh, that much today. Kevin James is set to play Sean Payton in a Netflix movie about the, t- the season he spent coaching his son's sixth grade peewee football team while he was suspended for Bounty Gate. Who, who the fuck is asking for that? I don't know. We asked the, I asked the one Saints fan I know, and he said, this sounds like ass. It should be a Happy Madison movie. Like, just get Adam Sandler in there as like uh, Drew Brees, even though they don't look anything alike. No, 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 no. Drew Brees. No. Adam Sandler as Greg Williams. Yes. Just- Adam Sandler's great. Hmm. I'm trying to think of who else we got to get Chris Rock in there. You got to get um, David Spade could be like a, a. Rob Schneider could play one of the sixth graders. He's the size of a sixth grader. 
It'd be a funny visual gag. <laughs> they like shrink him down like they use the tech for Captain America in the first movie. No, yeah, they don't even have to do that. He he as as Rob Schneider currently exists looks like a sixth grader. They could just borrow the Irishman machine Marty used, you know, to de-age De Niro. It would have to work like three times less hard. Are you looking up how tall Rob Schneider is? He's 5'3". Yeah, he's alarmingly short. He's the size of a sixth grader. That's not a, that wasn't an exaggeration. Oh my God. He's, he's a short king. He's a short anti-vaxxing king, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, David, you David, nailed it. David Spade can be the douchebag, can play the douchebag rival coach. Yeah, he'd be great in that role. Um, let's see, Chris Rock could be like a coordinator, or you know, a, no, let's see, who was who were the coaches in Bounty Gate? Could he be Raheem? It was Morris? just Greg, like, Jonathan Vilma. Yeah, he could be Vilma. Um, Let's see. <sighs> Who? Uh, well, you could just have Dan Patrick. Just you know, now now we need to fill it out with celebrity. You know, Dan Patrick. Yeah. Uh, you could just have you could have Shaq put one of his sons on the team. Yeah, uh, uh, Sharif. Yeah. Well, like just like one of his fictional sons, you know. Oh. <laughs> uh, just just make it a happy Madison movie, and I'll watch it day one. Yeah. That. Netflix, if you're listening, please make it Happy Madison. Unbelievable. Now, it's unclear whether Kevin James is going to be playing Sean Payton. Right. Or if this is, or if the story is just based on Sean Payton coaching his son's sixth grade football team. Hmm. Yeah, it's says stars as, or something says two star as, and then is going to play Sean Payton. I wonder how you're going to get by that unless you just don't get the NFL rights. You know what I mean? You just do flashbacks or something. There are two people who look less alike than Sean Payton and Kevin James. <laughs> I have, there are, I, I have not seen two people who are more, who are less tied together. This is just too funny. Hey, Sean, we got that movie coming about you. We got a cast. Oh, who'd you get? You know, like an A-lister. Well, um... Did Brad pick up the phone? Brad didn't answer. Uh, We couldn't even get Alexander Sarsgaard. Um, uh, We got Kevin James. Yeah. (laughs) Mads Mads was busy. Uh, Mads is doing doing award stuff for another round. We can't... (laughs) Mads Mickelson is Sean Payton. That would be unbelievable. Just shot Peyton with a heavy Dutch accent. Watch this movie be like incredible and Kevin James won an Oscar. It would be that's, like that's a, what I want now. I want it to be so good that Kevin James wins an Oscar. <laughs> I'm all over I, the place with this movie. I I saw something hard. I saw something about uh Doug Ellen pimping a uh, entourage revival yeah and 
all that made me in you in your bringing up Kevin James winning an Oscar reminded me of the end of the Entourage movie, where drama wins a Golden Globe for like the movie Vinny Vinny directed, where he only has like eight lines, but he I've won never a Golden Globe. Entourage, so I, that's one I might have to to keep an eye out for. I, I tried. I think I tried a long time ago. It's. If you're not in on the first episode, just you're never going to be in. Okay. Like it's not like it's not like something that takes a while to get going. It it has its thesis statement in the first episode and if you're not on board with it, don't worry about it because it it pretty much stays the same the entire time. All right. Fair enough. It gets its point across right away and then if you're in you're in, if you're out you're out. Right. I mean, like, if you're by the time the first episode ends and you're like, I'm not into it, don't worry about it. But if you're into it, then like you'll finish the entire show in a weekend. Okay. Like you get hooked pretty quickly. Right. Because it's just like it's so consistent. It 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 it's not as cons it's not as good. As, as other shows that are consistent, like Breaking Bad, I think, is a show that's really consistent. Hmm. But, like, it's not as good as Breaking Bad. It's, like, consistently mediocre. Okay. That's a good way to put it. It is consistently mediocre and requires, the sm- and requires about the same amount of attention as you pay to TikTok. Oh, so very little. Very little. Okay. You can watch it and you can watch it and you can, you can half pay attention to an entire season and understand what happened Hmm. and have total recall. It's incredible. Okay. I might, I might do it like if I'm home alone or something or like, you know, I'm bored, put it on the background and listen to it or something. That's, that's my pitch. I mean, it's not gonna. It's not gonna fundamentally change the way you see television, but there are a couple funny jokes, and the celebrity cameos are fun. Yeah, and I I know the whole arc about him playing Aquaman. Yeah, Cameron directs it. The Aquaman thing is funny. Yeah, like there seems to be some really funny stuff, and like. You know, there's tons of gifts of Jeremy Piven as uh, Ari. Yes, Ari, Ari Gold. Gold. Yeah, like you know, get the fuck out, and like he uh, uses Super Soaker in one of the episodes. He does. He does. He does use a uh, paintball gun. Believe it. Oh, or not. paintball gun. That's right. My bad. Um, and he's just unbelievably homophobic. Like you cannot believe how homophobic he is. Hmm. Um. Yeah. That- that show's pretty well not too old but it's it's been off the air for quite a while hasn't it it has even though doug allen wants to bring it back i Hmm. i have no idea how that fucking would work you know what and like the this might be a recycled bit but doug allen i know you're a listener of the podcast here's my pitch it's entourage but it's just a tiktok house Like it's that's that's perfect. I mean, like it's the perfect. You're telling me the sway house. Like, what's the difference 
if you've watched Entourage, Sav, when you listen to this, I want you to DM me on the side and answer me this question. What is the fundamental difference between uh, the living situation of the main cast of Entourage and the Sway House? DM me, DM me when you hear this and let me know because I truly believe that there isn't one. And I think you could milk a lot of good content out of it. Very good. So that's, that's my pitch to you, Doug Allen. Um, put me in the writer's room. That's I'll <laughs> trade you. Um, I'll trade you for a WGA card and a full-time job. <laughs> and I need another co-host then. And you get like five seasons and you get five seasons of the Entourage revival on HBO Max because they need content. You are welcome. There you go. It's your way out. That's I'm 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 gonna make it out the mud, Lucas. I'm really gonna make it out of the mud. <laughs> oh <laughs> let's talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty damn good episode. Heater. Uh, my, my favorite thing was uh, that uh, Captain America was like, went up to the door Malaji and was like, you don't have jurisdiction here. And they're like, <laughs> it's just like, motherfucker, you're in like Latvia. Like, why do you have jurisdiction here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, actually, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, I'm not the first one to make this joke. I saw it on Facebook. Uh, it's like the Parks and Rec joke where Ron hands the hands like the park ranger a piece of paper. And it's just like, and it's like written in Times New Roman font. I can do whatever I want, like signed Ron Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um. Yeah, and that that final shot was something I haven't. I don't think Marvel would would have done maybe even five years ago. Something that I'm not gonna. I mean, kind of graphic for Marvel. You know, you don't really see them showing a lot of blood a and two you don't show them like bat you don't show this dude bashing someone's brains in essentially well i don't think it's i don't think it's so much the violence as it is like what what it represents mm -hmm. you know what i mean because here you have here you have an official representation of the united states government basically America's mascot. It's unclear how much damage he did, but from the angle, maybe probably beheading someone in broad daylight in in a town square. Right. If not beheading them, then like doing serious, like bashing their brains in in broad daylight in a public square in Europe. Yeah. With like hundreds of people pulling their phones out yeah i mean one rookie move man just <laughs> abs just like like the cia would have been like dude 
like you need to like regime change or poison or whatever. You don't just behead a guy. Right. But I did like the I did like the symbolism. I did like what it means for the John Walker character. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really appreciated that's just like a smaller thing that I think like MCU, like like you said, Lucas, MC, the MCU five years ago would have done. I liked that they didn't show John Walker taking the serum. It was implied. I liked that they showed... I liked that they showed us... I liked that they showed him... That they just showed him, right? Like, after taking the serum. Yeah. Right? Like, the shield being being plugged into the wall. Him bending the pipe. Doing the superhero landing. Right? That's how you know that he took it. Right. And he had a different look on his face, too. Right. And he just looked... He looked meaner. He looked pissed off. Well, yeah. for obvious reasons, he was pissed off. But he just looked like he had... Um, yeah, he had just this instant grudge as soon as he took the serum. Because, you know, they they pretty much gave it to you. Like, yeah, he's going to take it. Because, you know, he says in the episode to uh, Battlestar, like, man, imagine if we had this stuff when we were overseas or when we were in Iraq. Like, they hit that pretty hard on the nose. And it's like, yeah, this dude's going to take it if he gets the chance. Yeah. We had so much. We would have had so much fucking oil. <laughs> And I, I couldn't believe they killed off um, Battlestar because I thought they were setting up, you know, a future Avengers project with him. Yeah. Part of well, it. It could be that he's not dead. Yeah. I don't know. It's not really, um, you know, there was no real confirmation. Like it could be like a, like a false, uh, as Alex Jones likes to say, a false flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got the documents. I got the documents right here. It says it's a false flag. He's not dead. Uh, you know, he he is hiding in the same bunker as JFK Jr. So uh, there's two more episodes left. I got to think they're going to be longer because this one was almost an hour. Yeah. And it's going to be like a two-part movie. It's going to be them versus... It's them versus him. Right. I mean, I mean, like you couldn't have, you couldn't have the flag smashers be the ultimate big bad in this series because like, ultimately they're like incredibly sympathetic. Yeah. It's like, right. Like they're so sympathetic that you needed them to blow up a building in order to justify, in order to justify what, what Sam and Bucky did last episode. Yeah. So like, they're just, you can't have them do that. So like, you need another, you need another thing. Mm -hmm. And whether they like let the flag smashers go as an organization and just take in uh, fuck what's, what's her name? Chloe. Is it? Yeah. Chloe. Chloe. Chloe, Carly, 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 whether they let in Carly, um, whether you let in car, you know, whether they just take in Carly and just kind of like, you know, regime change the flag smashers or 
they kind of team up with the existing Flag Smasher Super Soldiers to take down John Walker. Um, that's something that remains yeah. to be seen. Um, We're going to gang up on him for sure. My big prediction for the final two episodes is I think Sharon's the power broker. Hmm. Like they keep using male pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sharon seems like she's got a lot of juice in Madripoor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I realize the power broker is a real dude. And he's, you know, kind of doing some, he's doing some stuff, but like, and he's like responsible for some stuff in the, in the comics. But like, I don't know. I think, I think Sharon kind of, I think Sharon's kind of got the mantle of the power broker right now without anybody realizing it. I think that's going to be the big, the big reveal in the next two episodes. Right. And she wouldn't just come back to this just to be like a secondary character as much as she was in you know, uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. Right. Um, I really hope that's the truth. So that's, you know, I, that, I, that's my, that's my big, that's my big, big thing. Um, you know, I just, I just hope everyone has a good time and has fun in these last two episodes. Yep. I just hope everyone has a good time and that whoever was on snack duty uh, <laughs> really pulled through. Because if it was Eric's mom and we get veggies and the little mini bottles of water, I'm going to be fucking pissed. (laughs) I don't want that. I want the fucking fruit gushers and Capri Suns. Why the fuck do I want carrots and water? (laughs) Oh... I want the fruit gushers. I want the Capri Sun. Or the little right. bottles of gate, the 12 ounce bottles of Gatorade. Mwah. Yeah, those hit pretty hard. Those hit different. After you spent after you spent a day playing essentially rugby with only your feet. I don't know if you ever watched youth soccer. Mm. But mm. it's essentially. It's essentially 12 kids huddled around a soccer ball, kicking it around. Uh, there's no spacing. These motherfuckers, we can't, you can't even nutmeg anybody at that age. <laughs> you know, the goal is like, uh, the goal's the size of my torso. Like, you can't, you can't fucking bend it like Beckham on that net. It's just kind of got to roll in. There's no goalies. I think I might have tried soccer, but uh, I think I just kind of went think not pal and walked off the field. Yeah, but listen, if you know you sports, if you've played you sports, you know the struggle of of the of the shitty parent on snack duty. Yeah, you all know who I'm talking about. She's either the PTA mom. Or she's like the hippie (laughs) and they have the shittiest snacks. They bring the shittiest snacks. Yeah. Like carrots and, and water carrots and water 
or celery and water or something like that. Right. You cucumbers want... would be okay. Cucumbers wouldn't be the worst, but carrots or celery, nah, get out of here. Cucumbers are the worst when you're like seven. <laughs> you're like, you know, us now, we get some cucumbers in a bag. We're like, okay, like not, you know, it's not my favorite, but I appreciate the sentiment, right? Yeah. But a seven-year-old's going to look at a bag of cucumber slices and go, what the fuck is this? Uh, you want the mini muffins, yep. you want the chocolate chip mini muffins, and you want the 12-ounce blue Gatorade. Mm, or or white cherry. Yeah, white cherry is a newer flavor, but yeah, but white, cherry, white cherry does bang. White cherry yeah. does bang. Do you want to do you want to talk tea sizzle? I always want to talk tea sizzle, Lucas. I always do. And joining us to talk about the one, the only Miss Taylor Allison Swift. Lucas, say the line, Lucas. I feel like Bart. I, you know, I'm gonna make you feel like <laughs> Bart. The this line, Bart. Say the line, Lucas. My wife, Cassie oh Whitney. I've heard that forever. She's not on camera, but she's she's right here with me. So let's set the, I feel like it's important to set, to kind of set the context for why, for why Taylor is doing this. Because if you're not plugged in, uh, you may not, you may not understand. Yeah. So when Taylor was starting out, she was, she was signed to this incredibly small, small indie label in Nashville called Big Machine Records. Um, and you know, she signed a standard contract for a teenager in the music industry, which is unbelievably predatory, uh, to say the least. And Taylor Swift in her time at big machine became Taylor Swift. You know, she blew up, she crossed over into pop. She's you know, she won album of the year twice. Uh, had had mega tour after mega tour after mega tour. But she felt like she wanted to move on. And people kind of knew something was going on when the owner of Big Machine Records, Scott Borchetta, was actively shopping the label in 2013. Mm. And you don't shop a label that owns the masters to Taylor Swift if Taylor Swift is staying with your record label. Right. So uh, so Taylor ends up leaving uh, signs a deal with Republic Records, which is owned by Universal. And under this new deal, she owns her masters. So for those of you who aren't, like, who know the business of music, um, a master recording is essentially, uh, is essentially the, the first the first cop, the first print of a book, right? It's like the manuscript of a book before it gets mass printed out. Like and the original, like the OG. right, 
It's the OG. Yeah. And when films and TV shows and commercials want to use that song, they lease the master recording from whoever owns it. Yeah. And that's, and whoever owns the master, you know, in most cases gets paid the largest percentage of royalties. Mm. So it's a big deal to own, to own masters. So what she did is she re-recorded them so that they would be her masters now. Right. So what happened was Big Machine sold to Ithaca Holdings, which is uh, which Scooter Braun is a partner of. Mm-hmm. Scooter Braun, you may know as Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande's business manager, uh, uber successful guy, but he's close friends with Kanye West. (laughs) And if I have to explain to you the Taylor Swift, Kanye West thing, we're going to be here all fucking night. (laughs) So Taylor essentially sicked the dogs on Scooter Braun. And after dealing with Swifties for three months, he sold the masters again to Shamrock Holdings, which is they're a hedge fund who operates out of out of Boston, I think. So Taylor was not approached and not given the opportunity to buy her masters at at a fair market price, right? She never felt like she, the master should have been given to her, right? She wanted, all she wanted was the opportunity to give Scott Borchetta or Scooter Braun $300 million. Right. And she didn't get that opportunity. Hmm. So. Interesting. Taylor Swift, as you may know, is an incredibly gifted singer songwriter. So legally she owns the music and lyrics to all of her work. So she is, so when you own the music and lyrics to all of your work, you're free to re-record them because it's your original work. Mm. Okay, that's why she did it. Right, and that's why I think she specifically listed on all the tracks Taylor's version in parentheses after the title of the song. Right. So what Shamrock Holdings owns are the master recordings to her first six albums as well as the album artwork and any artwork associated and like the music videos, like the copyrights to the music videos. Hmm. Of, of songs from those first six albums that have music videos. So Taylor, because, you know, she's in quarantine, there's nothing else to do. On top of releasing two wholly original works, has been re-recording her entire back catalog up until 
up until uh, Reputation, which is the last album she released under her initial deal. And starting with Fearless, her second album indicates she's just going to go in reverse order. She's going to go from most popular to, to least popular. Fearless is by far her most popular album on the streaming services. So it's so she drew, so she released Fearless Taylor's version on Friday. And everyone thinks 1989 is next because because it's her second most popular album on the streaming services. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Let's talk about Fearless. Cassie, what did you, you know, I, I know you haven't listened to the whole thing, but from what you've heard, what do you think? I think, well, I'm going to be perfectly straight. I consider myself a Swifty, but I consider myself a late Swifty, <laughs> not an OG Swifty. I am a, a huge fan of Lover, Folklore, and Evermore, and that I do not resonate as much with the older works. Now, knowing what we know about her record label back then and all that, that might have something to do with it. Um, listening to Fearless, which I did today, I, I mean, I felt some nostalgia, like hearing like Love Story um, and You Belong With Me from like when I was in high school, because I know a lot of my friends really like those songs. Um, but other than that, I didn't really, nothing else really resonated with me a ton. Um, having said that, I do, I do applaud her for doing this and for taking it into her own hands, which is why just some other reason that I love her new work so much is because it's um, poetically says things like that, like about feminism and about, uh, you know, men doing wrong and writing the wrong and, you know, sticking up for the little guy. Um, to be honest, before Lover, I really wasn't interested in her at all. And having said that, what got me into liking her was you need to calm down because I'm a very big ally to the LGBTQ community. So when she released that song and especially that music video, I was like, oh, wait, what's she doing now? And that kind of reeled me in to be more of a fan as of late. Yeah, I've been... So I'm kind of the opposite of you, Cassie. I've been in since the ground. I've been in on the ground floor. Uh, what was start your early investor? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a series A. I'm a series A investor in Taylor Swift. <laughs> you could say. Um, but like, you know, I, you, so obviously like I've listened to Fearless a lot, like the original version. And I think the, like the biggest difference between this version and the original is her voice is just so much stronger now than it was when she recorded. And like, no shit, she was 31 when she re-record, when she recorded this album, you know, when she re-recorded Taylor's version and she was 15 when she recorded Fearless the first time. Holy shit, it's that old? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you go back and listen to yourself at 15 years old, like you're going to sound different than you do when you're 31. But and I think that, that has to deal with like, firstly, 
environmental factors, you know, and aging, but then secondly, confidence and the situation being so different than when she reported it the first time. Right. And I think the confidence kind of comes through a lot. Like when she hits the high notes, like, uh, I think songs like that's the way I loved you. And, uh, like superstar and fearless the title track they all kind of they sound they hit a little more because she's able to hit and sustain higher notes than she than she was when she recorded it the first time um so i think it packs more of a punch and also like i just think she's better at making music now like she's always been an excellent songwriter, but like the craft of creating music, I think she's a lot better at. And I think she got a lot better at working with Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff on Folklore and Evermore. I, I agree. I mean, I especially what I like about her music is the lyrics. So for me, it's a lot of like her being a, a fantastic lyricist. So that's why I like evermore in folklore so much is because it's not a one-time listen and then you get the picture you have to listen to it several times in order to grasp the full concept that she's trying to bring out to you and I really enjoy that um I think that's why these particular older albums don't resonate as much with me because they are a little bit of like a one-time listen and then you understand it but I agree with you that like musically like with the um the subtracks you can hear a little bit of a difference yeah, I think the song that really um, that really pointed that out to me was uh, "Breathe," uh, which is a duet with Colby Calais, which I liked on the previous version, but I here I feel the mix is a lot tighter, and I feel that her and Colby Calais' vocals are stacked a lot more neatly on this version than they are on the last one. And that's not to jab at the original producers of Breathe. Like it's still a great song, but you can tell that she just has a more refined ear for some of this stuff. Absolutely. So um, I'm really, you know, Lucas, you don't have to suffer much longer. I'm I'm okay with it. It's interesting. I've, I've never hated Taylor Swift. I've just never been into her. And like, you know, like Bad Blood, I remember when that came out. I thought that was a good song, you know, catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, when she got more pop-centric is when I started to, I'd say, tolerate her a little bit more because I do not like country. My hottest take is that all country can go away unless it's named Garth Brooks or Chris Gaines. Um, oh, that's, semi, that's a semi-parody, but... Um, I love Garth Brooks and that's it for country, but um, like, and then, you know, when Lover came out, I'm like, wow, this is a pretty good album. You know, I was actually impressed by it because Cassie would play it a lot. And, you know, I'm not into like folk music or like kind of, this is a bad way of putting it, coffee shop or, you know, kind of low chill vibe music. Yeah. Indie rock. Indie I mean, rock. that's, that's, that's like what, that's what the national and Bonnie Vare and yeah. that's what they make like, is. Folklore and Evermore really haven't appealed to me a ton, but like Cardigan is the one song I hear over and over again. And you hear it on 
the Capital One commercial. And, you know, it's, it is a good song. Like, and like just listening to it when I'm in the car with Cassie or like at here, if I happen to hear it, she is a very, very talented writer. And I can even see if she doesn't ever want to perform again, I could really see her becoming a songwriter for people too. I would 1000% support that. Cause honestly, like I, I like her voice, but it's not my favorite voice. I don't get like chills when I listen to her voice like I do with Beyonce, but I do listen, like I listen to Folklore and Evermore since they came out over and over and over and over again. Cause the poetry is so beautiful. I, I think it'll be interesting to see like how she handles touring in the future, you know, like not only with like the coat, I'm not even talking about the COVID stuff, but like, and I, I wasn't saying she was going to retire anytime soon, but you know, she doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. She could, she could hang him up right now and oh. just chill for the rest of her life. But, you know, I wasn't trying to push that, but it's just like, I could definitely see even if she wants to do her own song, she could write for other people too. Like she could do both. Yeah. Well, I think I like, I don't think she's ever going to give up touring because touring's a huge moneymaker. Right. I mean, like now it's estimated that artists make 80% of their revenue from touring because streaming has streaming has kneecapped streaming has kneecapped earnings on the, on the music on the sales side so hard that it, it's touring and it's merchandise. That's how yeah. everyone makes their nut now. She, she can't get her, she can't get the $40 t-shirts that you buy at the concert. Well, yeah. I mean like, you know, she's got people buying $80 cardigans on her website. So I think, <laughs> I think she's all right. I think that touring is a way for a lot of artists to, to connect with their audience, which is an experience that they don't get. They don't get like that, like real honest feedback right away in real life you know with uh, any of everything being online nowadays i'm just talking about like the logistics of of like how she's gonna like what is her tour like what does this next tour look like because now she has two new albums of music that doesn't really that isn't gonna play particularly well in like a stadium tour setting so like I wonder, like I wonder what her, I wonder what the, I wonder what that next tour is going to look like. I think that she'll just sprinkle in like other other albums. I think she'll, I think she'll find like medleys. So it'll be like high points and low points. I mean, this is what I would see, you know, from like a show perspective. Because obviously you couldn't just like do the whole album, but like you would do like, like maybe your most feature tracks. Like I know I've heard a quote from her before about champagne problems and how she like cannot wait for a stadium full of fans to hear that one line what is it um she's like she's so fucked in the head or whatever oh what a same what a same she's so fucked in the head yeah she she said that before that she cannot wait to hear like a whole stadium sing that with her so i think she definitely wants to i think it's just gonna have to be like not only those two albums like it's gonna have to be a mix yeah, well, like, you know, I I wonder if, you know, if she's going to go like, okay, like I'm going to do a, do a normal stadium show 
but I'm going to add a second date to a, to a lot of the major cities and it's going to be at a smaller venue. And that's going to be like my Folkmore set, like my folklore and evermore set. That'd be so cute. Is going to be at this small is going to be at like, you know, I don't know if you guys have been like, like I'm going to do a show at Ford fields and then I'm going to do a show at, at Fox theater. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, I know Lucas mentioned before, we're not huge country fans, but when Luke Bryan tried to come to Richland, you know, a couple of years ago. The farm tour. And to do the farm tour because he wanted to perform on a farm. So I think, I think it'd be similar to that. Yeah, Luke Bryan performed, like, maybe 10 miles from us. Yeah. I mean, like the, tickets, the-, the tickets to that, the tickets to the Fox Theater show are going to be out of control, but. I think all of them. God damn it, am I going to pay it? <laughs> yeah. Now, Spartan Dog, I have a question for you because I think we've talked about it before or I've heard that you do not like Evermore as much as Folklore. Is that correct? Uh, you know, I, I've i come around on Evermore a lot, but I still, I still prefer Folklore to Evermore. Why is that? I think... I think part of it is... Like I had the narrative, I I had the narrative in my head going into the initial listen of Evermore was like, these are just leftover folklore songs. Okay. I could see that. And then once I learned more about the origin of the album and like, I gave it more listens, um, I do enjoy it. Like it's not like I it's not like I despise Evermore. The vinyl is coming. Don't you worry, folks. The Evermore vinyl is in the mail. <laughs> I know you ordered that a long time ago. Well, you gotta pre-order it, and you know it takes forever <laughs> to press and send and whatever, but uh yeah, I just I don't know. I think I just I think folklore is a bit tighter. Uh, you know, she's trying more stuff on Evermore, which I enjoy. But I don't know. I think it's the same reason I kind of prefer 1989 to Red. Where, like, I love Red for, like, all of its experimentation and, like, the direction she's pull- she's going 1989 is just tighter and I think folklore is just like a tighter album you know it's a more it's more sonically cohesive than evermore that's interesting because I kind of feel the opposite I kind of feel like but again I'm more of a person who's about the words than the melody so for me when I listen to folklore it is very like sullen so I have to be in the correct mood to listen to it but with Evermore, it's a little bit more versatile where I can like just go through the whole story, which my, I don't know if this is about her or not, but I, I do believe that on that album, a lot of the lyrics adhere to the narrative of a woman finding out that she is gay and either not being with her um, the spouse, boyfriend, whoever anymore, um, especially Ivy. That one lends itself very much to that narrative. So I just, I find it interesting every time I listen. Ivy's a banger. Nobody, no crime is a banger. Absolutely. 
but no, like I, you know, I, I agree. I just think, I also think I, I, like I was in, um, like folklore just means more to me personally. So like, that's kind of like it, it resonated with me more on an emotional level than Evermore does. Hmm. You know, I was just kind of at a different point when folklore first came out versus whenever more first came out and you know so much of music is like you go back and listen to like the your experience when you go back to an album is tied to that first time you hear it for sure so i think that's that's a major part of it for me on my end now i have a question are you going to buy the limited edition fearless beach towel (laughs) for 45 dollars? i don't do merch (laughs) um i'm not a big i'm not a big band merch guy i never have been i'm just looking at the website and i just had to stop at beach towel like is there a market for a beach towel with her on it but i will buy the i will buy the fearless taylor version vinyl don't you worry yeah available until wait no while supplies last the vinyl for 39 bucks on her website yep fucking sold I'm picking that bitch up right now. We'll not ship until July 2025. That's okay. <laughs> I'll wait. Yeah, like I've never been a big Taylor Swift fan, but I I a commend her for releasing not one but two albums during this weird and odd time. Not just to get her mind off of things, but also, well, to make some money. Nothing wrong with that. No, no problem at all. But like, I just, and it's different too. Like, that's what I admire about her. And especially with the whole, you know, the shift from all the pop and country stuff to kind of this, like makes sense with, you know, I never knew about that record label stuff and the people that were kind of controlling it. Um, It gives me a lot more respect for her. Like not, you know, not that I never disrespected her, but just it makes me appreciate her more as an artist and as a person that she's just trying to do what she wants to do and she can finally do it. Cause I'm like, why the fuck is she redoing this album? And that, cause you know, everyone was going nuts over it and I had a troll tweet about it that didn't, that didn't go over well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really exactly. glad that I'm really glad the Swifties didn't come after me. I was nervous about that, but um, you know, now I, I understand it. It's like the episode where, uh, um, Randy Marsh says the bad word on Wheel of Fortune and Token's like, I get it. And, and, and he's talking to Token and he goes, I get it. I don't get it. But like, I finally get it now. And <laughs> like, I, I appreciate her that more. It's not like I'm going to go, you know, revisit all her stuff, but like, you know, I, I gain a lot more adoration for her. Just, just listening to you guys tonight. Well, I mean, like, go, like you said, like, go her for, like, branching out and doing a whole different genre. Yeah. You know, like, at this point in her career, she, like you said earlier, she could have just stopped. She could have just hung it up. And she, like, instead is like, what else can I try musically? You yeah. know? And really, it's just succeeded at it. Right. All right. Bought that bitch. Let's go. I I could see her trying a... um. This is just reminding me of something Nine Inch Nails did this like 12 years ago. They did like really small bars and like not coffee shops, but like they did really small venues, like super small places, like to uh, celebrate the anniversary of the Downward Spiral, which is considered his best album of all time. Um, 
like the 15th year anniversary. So I could like, I just remember watching videos of them, like just jamming out in these like little bars. So I could, I could see Taylor experimenting with it. Like, you know, like you guys said, the bigger venues, but maybe she picks a random smaller venue to a real, really, really small place to sing ever, ever more folklore at. Going to see Taylor Swift at Harper's would be a spiritual experience. I don't know how, I don't know how else. <laughs> you just walk in there and Taylor Swift's performing, just sitting on the, sitting on a bench with a guitar and you're like, what? I'm going to, I would, I would pay $200 to get in and then I would pay eight fifty dollars for a watered down vodka cranberry and listen to and listen to a cowboy like me. This is me trying uh, Ivy Melody. Oh, yes. And just, just enjoy the fuck out of myself. And, and Those these- songs together would totally work, too. That'd be awesome. That was, yeah, Taylor Swift, you, you go, you do your thing. <laughs> Have you ever seen her in concert before? I have. I saw the um, I saw the red tour. How was that? It was great. She's great. I think you've got the you've, I think you've got the seed planted in her head, Inception style to go think about possibly seeing her live one day. Now she's kind of if, pondering it. If it was the Folklore Evermore tour, I'd be there because I love those albums. But I, I'm telling you what, I will never have a concert experience like the two times I've seen Beyonce. Almost passed out both times and was in the very back. There was nobody behind me. She was that far away and still almost passed out. I got to meet Trent Reznor. Not not bragging, but I didn't. Get it to sounds like you're bragging a little bit. I got to meet an Oscar winner. Yeah. All right, this uh, this podcast cost me fifty bucks, so I'm gonna end it before I buy anything else. Well, yeah. glad glad I told you it was there. Yeah, uh, thanks, Lucas. Uh, Cassie, thank you for joining us to talk about Taylor Swift. Of course. Happy to do it. All right. Uh, We're out until next week. Lucas, go green. Go white. Space and